tonight we get to uh, delve into a new part of that family that we're looking at. It's been exciting to uh, talk about men and husbands and dads. Uh, then we move to moms and wives, and now we're going to look at kids. In particular, tonight, we're going to look at teenagers. So uh, if you are a teenager, stand up. If you are 12, in fact, if you are 12 years old, all the way to 29 years old, stand up. All right, I'm talking to you specifically tonight. All right, you may be seated. Now, for some of you, you'll have already gotten past some of this, but uh, Carrie Schmidt actually says 17 to 27. Uh, I would uh, argue the point, I'm going to take it down to 12 and take it up to 29. Uh, in, in his book, I can't remember what the name of the book is, but he talks about the mistake zone. And uh, that's that time period. So uh, it is a unique time in your lives in which you are um, under attack by the devil in ways that you'll never be under attack again. And there's a reason. We're going to look at the reasons tonight. Let's go to the Lord first and ask him to bless our time together. Father, we love you. We do thank you for this opportunity we have to discuss how you want to work in our lives and what you want to accomplish. And God, I pray that you would uh, help us as we... Uh, introduce this new topic tonight of of this mistake zone, these uh, uh, young people, these combination of millennials and and uh, Z kids that we have here, that you would just help us to understand uh, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, uh, so can anybody tell me one reason why you think that this particular group of people might be under unusual attack uh, in their spiritual walk. Anybody have any ideas why you think they might be under unusual attack? Jeffrey? Okay, that is going to be the number one thing we're going to look at tonight, all right? You hit it exactly where we want to be, and that is the decisions that I'm about to scare every parent half to death. But not nearly as much as I'm going to scare the 12-year-olds to the 29-year-olds, especially maybe the 12-year-olds to the 25-year-olds. But I'm going to scare you half to death because this is the truth. Virtually every major decision of your life you're about to make. In fact, if you are 17, 18, if you are a junior or senior in high school, within the next five or six years you will have made virtually every major decision that you're going to make that is going to impact the rest of your life. So somebody give me one of those decisions. Yes. A mate. Who you marry is going to be decided. I, I, I'm, I'm still saying 12 years old to 29, obviously the 12-year-olds. <clears throat> no, all right? 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Just get your mind off of it, all right? But... Someplace in this time, you are likely to decide who you are going to spend the rest of your life with. Do you think that's going to be a life changer? Do you think that's going to really impact the rest of your future? Uh, that's likely to happen in this time period. So the next several years of your life are vitally important to you and of great interest to your enemy, who is trying to keep you from serving your Savior. 
What's another decision that you're going to be making? Miss Angie. School or college, all right? How many of you know already where you're going to go to college? You already know. You already know. Wow, of all that big group. All right, now I know some of you are like, we're already past college, pastor. All right. Some of you are already done with some of these decisions, all right? And you can honestly stand up and say, uh, in fact, let me just ask, all right? So if you were in that age group that we just had stand up, and you are already out of college and married, raise your hand. Let's see who you are. Oh, look how much smaller this group is. We just went from about half the congregation to five or six people. I hope if you're married, there's more than five. I hope there's six. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but, you know, all of a sudden, it just, the number went way down. Do you see where we are? If you're in that age group, you have a lot of decisions coming up. And one of those is going to be where you go to school. Uh, school is going to be a big factor. Uh, in fact, where you go to school is probably going to determine who you marry. Does that make sense? All right. So what's another one of those big decisions that you're going to make, Jonathan? Okay, a long-term job or career. You know, most people don't change careers at 40. Some do. I am not arguing that there are not some people that do, all right? In fact, if you look biblically, virtually all of the disciples made a career change after they had already decided on a career path. Do you understand that? Uh, Jesus walked by the boats and said, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they left their nets and followed Christ. But seldom do we have career changes in, in the middle of your life. So whatever path you're choosing now to study, whatever school you're going to to study, uh, whatever uh, you know, things that you're, you're, what jobs you're getting, that's going to determine what you do for the rest of your life. Do you see where if Satan can get in here any place and mess up these things, that he messes up not just the moment, but he messes up the life. And so you are under unique time in your life, a unique time in which Satan is trying to work. What's another one of those decisions you're going to make? We have school. We have job. We have mate. Okay, what are you going to drive around? Now, you know, you might laugh at this, but I want you to stop and think about this. This is kind of silly, but it's not. Do you realize that the car you drive will likely help you determine what kind of friends you have? I mean, I know it's a shallow statement, but we live in a shallow world. Do you understand that? And so don't you think that if you drove a brand new sporty red car convertible of some sort, that it would change your life? It would change the people who take interest in you? Every guy sitting here says, yeah, that would make a lot more girls interested in me. You know, now that might be a shallow reason for that girl to be interested in you, but it would change things. And so it's, it's not, it's not a far-fetched thing to, in fact, most of you are going to buy your first car and that first car is going to have an impact on parts of your social life, et cetera, et cetera. Any other decisions? Joe. Oh, where you are going to live. You know, does it matter? I mean, can't I just live anywhere? Or is where I am going to live, is that going to be a pretty major factor in my life? Everything surrounds about where you live, right? And by the way, where you live is likely to be determined by where you go to school. Do you understand that? 
especially if you go to school and meet that other person, because now all of a sudden you're from two different states. And now you've got to figure out where you're going to live, right? When you're 12, you think, well, I'm going to live here forever. That's what you think when you're 12. When you're 23, you're thinking, where am I going to live? See what I'm saying? And it is a major factor in the rest of your life. There's at least one other big one we need to get in here. Don? Okay, the very foundation. Now, every parent is sitting there saying, no, 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 that's my job. I'm going to mold their mind just what I want. <laughs> but the reality is that sometime during this time period, they start developing this wonderful thing called independence. And our job, by the way, parents, is to allow them to develop that, right? Because we are to raise our kids for the purpose of, therefore shall a man do what? Leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. That's our job. Our job is not to raise them up and then, you know, gather them in, but is to raise them up and send them out. And that's a challenge, you know? I mean, every one of us parents, I mean, I, I'm right now at least getting able to enjoy the best of both worlds because my kids have grown up and they've got some independence and they go to church with me. I love that. I love it. I think that this is great. It's the way life ought to be, right? Amen. But, uh, you know, so that's kind of determined by where they go to school and then who they meet and now where you're going to live. There's at least one more biggie in here. Chad? Oh, do you think that where you attend church is going to impact your family at all? <laughs> Do you see how this works? And sometime in this time period, all of you who stood, whether you've understood this yet or not, you are making these choices. By the time you're 30, most people have settled in. Where you're going to live, who you're going to be with, where you're going to go to church, what you're going to do for a living, and the rest of your life is just God kind of working you through that circumstance. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't move people around occasionally. I, I know how all of that works. That's God moving. But this is a huge time. These teen years are extremely important to everything that God wants for you. And so you've got a lot of challenge. With that in mind, if Satan's job or his, his desire is to mess up God's plan, which it is, look at just the life of Christ, and you'll see that's Satan's plan, is to try to mess up God's. If Satan can step into your life in a unique way and just get you off, you know, off target, then all of a sudden, you know, there's a challenge. Now, God's a gracious God. You know, I, I understand how this works. You know, so what God is able to do is, oh, man, I went to this school and I should have gone to this school. And now, by the way, there's a whole circle of friends that are at this school as opposed to the friends that are at this school. Have you ever just wondered? There's a, a unique thing in Matthew chapter 6. That, I, that is, I, your pastor thinks about quite often. It says, I'm going to paraphrase it, it says something like this. Who, by taking thought, can add a cubit to his stature? Right? Your pastor stands at five foot six on a good day. I'm getting older, so it may not be that anymore. I don't know, but five foot six. So if I could add a cubit, another foot and a half, seven feet tall, do you think that would change my life? Do you think that life would be different for you if you were just six inches taller? Three inches taller. 
right? I mean, just think about it. Wow, when you're short, you think in terms, just three inches would be great. You know, just anything. You know, I, I, I'm tired of being shorter than most 14-year-olds I know. But, but it, it would change your life, wouldn't it? It would, it would change everything. Well, that's what the, I can't control my height, but I can control a lot of these decisions. And so the devil's out there working overtime. Because in the next five years, 17-year-olds, you're going to decide where you go to school, who you're going to marry, where you're going to live, what you're going to do for a living. Parents are shaking. Seriously? I've got five years to help mold this mush that's sitting before me? Yes. You're running out of time, parents. That's the truth. And so what I want to do is spend the next two or three weeks as we're here on Sunday nights just studying this time period. Um, let me give you another one. Uh, today's just really introduction. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 7. That's where we'll be tonight. Proverbs chapter 7. Um, one of the other, and I, I try to be as delicate as I can be when we're dealing with things. But uh, one of the biggest issues that uh, your newly formed teenagers are, are coming into uh, as teenagers, uh, there are a lot of reasons for why they do the brutish things that they do. Brutish, that's that good Proverbs word. If you don't know what it means, look it up. All right, so uh, the, Bible, the Bible uses this term brutish, and I won't say the other word because uh, there are little kids in here. Not that it's a bad word, but I, if you're like my family, you always taught your kids that there are certain words that you don't say, and things like shut up and things like that that you just don't want them to say, right? And so I'm not going to try to teach these all to your kids. But this brutish or this person who's just not quite thinking right, all right, that's that brutish person. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons for why teenagers are at this particular stage. And it starts about 12, and they don't get over it, quite honestly, for a long time. Um, We call it puberty, all right, that's where it starts. It starts with God infusing their bodies with all kinds of hormones, which makes them grow awkwardly. It makes them stutter and they can't speak very well. It, all of a sudden, their brain is no longer engaging. They can't think clearly. Uh, and, and you think I'm making this up, but this is not just, not just medically right. It's biblically right. This is what teenagers are. So they're not only at a dangerous time in their lives in which they have a lot of decisions to make and, and it's easy to get them thrown off track, but it's an easy time for them to be thrown off track because of where they are. Do you understand? Because of all this stuff that's happening in their bodies, uh, all these things that are taking place, we see it by, you know, all of a sudden they shoot up four or five inches, uh, they begin to grow facial hair and... and you know, they have to sh- start shaving and, uh, you know, just, you know, you keep filling in the blanks with all these things that are, that are this related to puberty. And with that comes every parent's nightmare. They wake up to the idea that there is another gender on the planet. And uh, so that's, by the way, that's not a bad thing. All right. I want you to understand. Amen. That's right. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. We actually want Johnny to find a Susie someday, right? That's what we want. Uh, there's not a whole lot of other options, and so that's what we want. You understand? 
And so don't be afraid of it. It's not a bad thing. It's what God makes happen. But understand that because all this is happening and because there's so many decisions being made during this time, it's a very dangerous time for our kids. And so, you know, teenagers, most of your parents then start building blockades around you, you know. They put curfews in place and they make rules that you never had before. And uh, you wonder what's gotten into dad. Well, you know, nothing got into dad. It's, it's what's getting into you. You know, and dad's just reacting to what's getting into you. And so this is all this is happening because dad knows that there's a lot of decisions. I wanted to focus tonight on this one thing in Proverbs chapter 7 that is also taking place. Let me ask you a question. Now, I'm trying to be delicate, and, and I, I will be as delicate as I can, but I'm going to be honest, all right? So let me ask you this question. How many times can your child lose their purity? You understand how this works? I mean, you can't, you can't keep losing your purity. You understand? There's only one time. Now, we already know this for a fact. For all intents and purposes, from 12 to at least 20, they're pretty much brain dead. Right? They can't think clearly. It's not their fault. They have so many chemicals being forced through their body right now. It's, they're, they're on a high or a low. And, and for some it's earlier, for some it's later, for some it's longer, for some it's shorter. But it is what it is, right? They're in this stage of life that God puts them in. Right? This is God-given. God puts them in this situation. And yet, in the middle of all of this, they are challenged to maintain their purity. This doesn't happen by accident. Do you understand? It does not happen by accident. There's a series of choices. So, if we agree that they're at a very vulnerable time in their lives, and if we agree that Satan would really like to get in and mess things up, then we need to understand that this time period is also an issue for their purity. Uh, In the scripture, you have roughly five categories of age groups. The first one is an infant or a babe or a baby, a babe or an infant in the scripture. All right? That's someone that you're carrying around, all right, up to through into toddler time. Then the next is a child. When uh, Samuel heard the Lord speak. He was a child, right? The Bible describes him as a child. He was roughly about eight. And here he is. He's a child. Then next, coming into these now 12-year-olds and on up, you have what the Bible calls youth or young men and young women. We call them teenagers. And this youth stretches out into their 20s. You pick the end date that you want to be out there. I say 29 Because in our society today, what used to be 19 is now 29. All right? I'm not trying to be mean. I love you all. I'm not trying to be mean about this. This is just the reality of where our society is. Uh, We're slower to mature and to make these choices in life that, you know, our grandparents might have made when they were, you know, younger. My mom and my dad, my dad came home from World War II. He was 22 years old of age, and he married his neighbor, my mom. She was 14. 
They didn't have any kids for two years. There was no necessity for marriage. But at that time period, in the 1940s, it was just not that unusual. It just wasn't. And girls had two choices. Are you going to go on to college? You want to finish school? My dad finished the eighth grade. My mom finished the eighth grade. And those were your choices. You know, we were raised in southern Indiana, poor community. And so there it was. And they just got married. Nowadays, that would be like, you know, people get arrested for that nowadays. You understand? And, and rightly so. But part of that is where we are in, in growing up. We're slower to grow up. So I stretched that out well in the 20s. But God's, in his words, stretches out this, this term youth or young man into the 20s. David was a youth, a young man when he fought Goliath. All right? 16, 17, 18, someplace around there. And we see then different people described this way throughout the scripture. Joseph and, and others that are described as a youth or a young man. So, in this time period, there's a uniqueness to your purity. And God's going to talk about that in Proverbs chapter 7. And I'm not going to have too much time. I, I'll watch my time. Ugh, I'm, out of, I'm out of time. My, my goal was to give you an introduction and I, I didn't get into the scripture. And I... I don't like that. I, I want to get into the scriptures. Let me at least share a couple of scriptures with you to chew on. We'll, we'll bypass Proverbs chapter 7 tonight. Let me uh, give you a couple of scriptures that I have written down here, and you can just chew on them for a while. In Judges chapter 8, there is a, uh, a youth called Jether. Thank God for your parents right now. Jether. How would you like to be Jether? If there's a Jether sitting out here, I apologize. Um, and it says, and he said unto Jether, his firstborn, get up and slay him. Kill this guy. But the youth drew not his sword, for he feared, because he was yet but a youth. There is a certain hesitancy built into our youth. By the way, if you read the story, God does not condemn the youth. In fact, God actually kind of defends the youth. Somebody else steps in, does this job, and they kind of defend the youth. His honor was not put on, whole, uh, on, on display here or anything like that. It was no issue. He just was a youth. Um, listen to um, what this youth is capable of, though, in Psalm 71. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. See, a lot of things begin to happen in your youth. Yes, life is frightening, but you are fully capable of trusting God at this point in your life. You are fully capable of growing in the Lord enough to let God get you through this phase of life. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about youth. I hope that you'll jump on board, enjoy the ride, and not be offended by anything that I say. I hope that every parent will listen up, every grandparent will listen up, because we have our jobs cut out for us. This is a dangerous time, but it's also a great time in which God loves to see how he can work in the lives of our youth.